This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour on X-Ray FM. We have been talking with candidates uh, throughout the, the campaign season and are really excited to have David Shore, who's one of the candidates for mayor. Thank you for coming in, David. Very happy to be here. Um, it's, a, it's been an exciting race. You have, uh, you have a wide open field, as it were. I mean, there's obviously uh, one uh, well-moneyed candidate that's out there, but otherwise it seems like the field's pretty open. Yeah, I think the, the dynamics in the race have changed a lot, but the, the overall look of the race isn't that different from when it was when I jumped into the race. Really, I, I started running in this race when Charlie Hales dropped out. So I knew I was going to be running against Ted Wheeler from the start, and I feel like I'm still just running against Ted Wheeler. He's the big elephant in the room in terms of this race. Everybody else pretty much seems like they're at even footing against Ted because he's got way more money than anybody else and way more name recognition, and he's getting an amazing amount of free press. Uh, David, I also want to point out that, that, I mean, this is radio. We are doing a live recording over here at the Waypost, but for those of you that aren't going to see it, I appreciate it. You came dressed up. You, you have a pinstripe uh, uh, suit on. You've had the jacket off, but it's, you, you look, you're, you're well-dressed. Thank you for coming in like that for radio. Well, it's, it's the weekend, so I did ditch the tie, but I, I, you know, I respect the folks of Portland. I respect their time, and I respect the office of mayor. I think it's a, an office that deserves respect, and the person who is going to inhabit that office should carry themselves with the respect that is appropriate for that office. So I, I want to talk about the issues in a bit, but I want to talk about the background that you're coming from. So you're, you are an attorney, you're the Assistant Attorney General uh, for the Department of Justice. Well, I'm an Assistant Attorney General. There are many, but yes, I'm, I'm an Assistant Attorney General for the Oregon Department of Justice, and I very much enjoy working for the people of Oregon in that capacity. And, and what sort of cases are you handling in that? I, I, you're obviously handling criminal cases, but do you have a particular... No, actually, I'm in the Civil Enforcement Division. So I work strictly on civil cases, and I'm working right now on a, a really large case that involves um, a settlement with the tobacco companies that is still in litigation. And you have a, a, a quite a bit of background also. You've, you've worked with the ACLU and the Oregon Justice Resource Center. Can you talk about those two organizations? So the ACLU is an organization that I've been a, a supporter of and a, and a friend of for a very long time, but I was honored to have an opportunity to, to work with them while I was a student at Lewis and Clark Law School. And working with them, I was able to do some really specific focused work on criminal justice issues in Oregon around prisoners' rights and the way that people are treated in our criminal justice system. And those are things that are really close to my heart. Those are actually the issues that brought me to law school in the first place, is the, the social justice and the problems that our government has in actually addressing the, the criminal element in our society and not actually doing law enforcement in a way that leads to better outcomes, but really focusing on this kind of incarceration and punishment model that we have been able to demonstrate over time is not the most effective approach. And, and that, please whistle and... Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's what, what's interesting, and I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the hot seat here, but you are both in, in your job and, and the issues that you just talked about, those are, your job is federal issues and the issues that you're talking about are largely state and federal issues. Why look at a city hall, a local government city hall? Well, the, the Portland mayor's race is kind of a unique one. I mean, the position itself has a lot of public visibility on the national and international stage. But fundamentally, I'm a Portlander. I live here. I really care about this city. And I feel that it's really important that we have leadership that respects the needs of the people of Portland. And I feel that's something that has been lacking. And I've watched us have a series of mayors that only served for one term and then skulked away into the distance. And I think we need someone who's willing to stay here and is willing to make a commitment to spend the time and the energy necessary to let the people of Portland have their voice heard and really have a city that reflects the spirit of the people that live here. Um, as a Portlander, then I'm, I'm going to quiz you. Who's, who has been your favorite mayor? 
my favorite mayor going back all the way. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's, it is really fun. And, and if people haven't ever visited the mayor's office, it's it's worth it's worth the tour just to look at the beards of of the uh, 19th century mayors. Of William Mason has this amazing beard that that puts to shame any hipster. Uh, any any the, the framed photographs there are quite amazing. Yeah, and I have to admit I will not be able to compete on the beard front. But the, the last mayor that really inspires me in a special way, I would say, is Bud Clark. And, of course, he fits in that category. And one of the biggest things that he did that really inspires me, and it's something that I, I hope to kind of bring back as mayor, is the involvement at the neighborhood level of our communities. He was one of the instrumental people in building up the, the neighborhood associations to actually be a force in shaping the future of the, the city, the built environment that we live in. And I think from the visits that I've had with neighborhood associations, I've actually been going around and speaking with neighborhood associations across the city, and they universally feel that City Hall is no longer listening, that, that City Hall is asking them to rubber stamp decisions that have already been made, and that at the front end of the process where their input could really have an impact and really be important to developing policy, they are not being consulted. And that's something that I really hope to change. It's something that you know Bud Clark was instrumental in creating. And unfortunately, over the last three decades, we've seen that deteriorate. And I think it's something that we need to go back to because we know that it works. Do you have a thought on why it has deteriorated? Well, I think that we, we have to ultimately look at the folks in City Hall and, and lay the blame at their feet that for whatever reason, it may be different from one administration to the next, they have not seen the value in that involvement from the neighborhoods as important enough to focus on and to prioritize. They have found other ways of getting input on the policies that they want to proceed with. And I think that's a mistake. I think we need to go back to really listening to the people at that really granular level. There's a reason that we have these neighborhoods and that we're organized this way. It's, it's not something that is convenient. It's not something that's easy. But it's something that if we do it right, leads to the best possible outcomes for everyone. And I think that really should be our goal. And that should be the goal of whoever occupies our mayor's office. So, so that's, that's obviously that's an issue that you're very uh, concerned and passionate about. Let's, uh, can you give me your top three issues that, that matter to you? Well, I'd say the, the biggest issue, and I don't think anyone is going to really argue on this, is housing, you know, including affordable housing and homelessness within that. But the, the broad situation in terms of housing affordability in our city is atrocious, and that is the very top priority for me. And I've been working with organizations in the community. I've been speaking with the Welcome Home Coalition and a lot of the other folks that are associated with them that are looking at a systemic way to solve this problem, looking at this from 30,000 feet, how do we really make sure that we get our hands around this? And the one thing that they've been telling me that they really need to have for us to solve this problem is a source of revenue that is dedicated to affordable housing. And to the best of my knowledge, I'm the only candidate in the mayor's race that has actually offered a proposal to create a new revenue source that is dedicated to affordable housing that's actually sufficient to solve this problem. And you're going to increase the taxes on Airbnb? No, the <laughs> what is the proposal? So my, my proposal as part of my community housing initiative is to create a tax on the top 1% of income earners in Portland. That would be about an 8% tax rate, and it would be enough to fund affordable housing in Portland for the foreseeable future. Okay. Uh, second issue that really matters to you. So the second big issue that I would focus on would be police reform. You know, I'm kind of torn between prioritizing police reform and environment in that second slot, but I have to say that unfortunately because of some of the most recent activities that we've seen with the interaction between our police force and our community, I have to put reforming our police department as the second on that list. It is a very important thing. It's one of the most fundamental things that the city does in terms of governance, and it's also typically one of the things that the mayor is primarily responsible for. Usually the mayor is the police commissioner, and I would take on that role and I would use that as an opportunity to take what I've learned as someone who's worked with the Oregon Justice Resource Center on you know, 
issues related to criminal enforcement and appeals and from the work I've done with ACLU, you know, I want to bring that perspective of social justice and really help the Portland Police Department to reconnect with the community because we've, we've lost that mutual respect that we need for them to actually be able to do their job effectively. And unless we actually start at the base level with the policies and with reforming the kind of contract that we have with the police department, we're not going to actually be able to fix these problems. Yeah, that, let's talk about that a little bit more because I think that there is a romantic version that, that is out there that we've lost this idea of community policing. Portland Police Bureau has a horrible record over 20, 25 years. I mean, there, there are any number of incidents. There are settlements and lawsuits that, uh, between the city, I mean, just... Ten years ago, there was a million-dollar settlement. There has been any number of wrongful shootings. Uh, um, how would you change that? And also considering that, as mayor, you can be head of that bureau. However, the police union is obviously a very strong force. What would you be doing to negotiate with the police union, and, and why do you think that you could bring uh, some muscle to that, that that hasn't been there? Well, it's a challenge, but I think part of the problem is that we haven't had anybody that really committed to trying. I think that, that you have to come to it with the attitude that you have to make a change, that we, we cannot go forward on the same basis that we've been going forward because we know what the results are. We've seen people dying on our streets, being killed by people who are our representatives, and then we have no recourse. And those, those people that we would rather not have enforcing the laws are back on our police force. And that's a really fundamental thing that we need to have control of. If we're going to be a city that can respect its own citizens, we have to be able to have control over who's representing us as a city. And I know that's going to be a tough negotiation with the police unions. I have no illusions about that. But I think that the knowledge that I have, the background that I have in criminal justice and understanding those issues is going to help me to actually go through that process in a way that they will understand where I'm coming from and I will understand where they're coming from in a really fundamental way that will allow us to find that common ground. I know they're going to push back. I know they're going to be upset about some of the stuff I want to do. But ultimately, what I want to do is going to make their job easier, too. And I think when we get to sit down, they will understand that, and we will find that common ground. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. We're talking with David Shore, who is a candidate for Portland mayor. And you were giving us uh, your top three issues that you are working on. And, and I'm limiting you to three. I know that you have more than that. But uh, your third, the final slot, who are you going to put on the, the bronze medal part of the podium? So yeah, I could, I could choose a lot of different things. But I think ultimately, the environment is really the, the big issue that we have to talk about. You know, Portland has the opportunity and, and it has taken some steps to be a leader in this realm, but I think at this juncture in history, Portland can do so much more. You know, as a city and as a community, the passion here behind divesting from fossil fuels, behind getting rid of fossil fuel infrastructure, behind really pushing towards the sustainable carbon neutral future that we know we have to get to, this is our opportunity. This is where we can make that investment. We can turn the corner and we can show the rest of the world how it's done. But it's going to take some leadership from the city itself, and it's also going to take collaboration. I think that's probably the, the most important thing to talk about here at the Nonprofit Hour, is that there's a huge amount of expertise, there's a huge amount of knowledge in Portland about how to solve this problem. But our city government is not putting that knowledge into practice. It's not connecting with the nonprofits and the other organizations that have that knowledge to really fully apply those lessons in Portland. And I think we can do that in so many ways, you know, through our zoning code, through the investments that the city itself makes. There's a lot of things that we can do to improve our environmental impacts. But it ultimately, the, the way to do that is to collaborate. And I think that that's a really interesting point because there are a number of organizations uh, from, from uh, Willamette Riverkeeper to Friends of the Trees to, to uh, Bike Transportation Alliance that are working on various issues there. Um, 
what role does City Hall then have in that? I mean, there are obviously bureaus of sustainability, uh, and there, there's Parks and Rec. What, where do you see that line between what the public sphere can do and what the, the, uh, the, the nonprofit sphere can do? Well, there are some things that the, the public sphere is really good at. The public sphere is really good at really big projects, really big infrastructure projects and things like that that need to be done. If you have to have a big change made, you're going to have to go through the government to make it happen. But the government is not really good at getting down to the granular level, and the government is not really that great at developing the deep kind of competency and knowledge that you need to actually tackle these types of systemic problems. The nature of government, particularly elected government, is that we have a lot of turnover. We, ha we lose a lot of knowledge and institutional experience when that happens. But if we rely on other organizations within the community to back us up, we actually aren't going to end up losing as much. You know, if we really make that connection solid with the, the organizations in the community that are focused on these specific issues, it frees the government up from having to do that specific work. You know, we, we have this resource of all of these nonprofits in our community, and it's a waste to not integrate that work into facilitating change through the government. And, and um Let's just finish this out. Like, how can you just give us some insights on how you're enjoying the race? Has it has it been fun? Has it been frustrating? Has it been all of the above? I'd say definitely all of the above. It started out, you know, as as something that I knew would be a great challenge. You know, to go up against someone like Ted Wheeler with all the money that they have, and particularly just to even get into the media as a first-time candidate is a challenge. But the the strategy that I've taken is just to to really be solid on the issues, to understand the policy and to reach out to people really face to face. That's really been the primary way that I've gone out, is going out to forums, going out in the public, going out to the meetings of nonprofit organizations and neighborhood associations, and really spending time getting to know people and getting to know what is really concerning them. And I think by doing that, I've, I've come to see where some of the things in city government are not going right, where we've missed the boat. And I also am seeing that there's a, a hunger for someone who's willing to offer some bold solutions, someone that's willing to actually take a risk and make a proposal that might not be popular with everyone, but that will actually achieve the goals that we're all setting. Because this is the, what's been most frustrating for me out of the race, is that the candidates all basically have the same goals. We all talk about the same problems in the city, but we need to talk about the solutions. And it really concerns me that we have a mayoral race where we're not able to actually talk about how we're going to solve the problems. because. The, the folks that we got at the top of the list on our, on our ballot right now, they're really good at, at speaking. They're really good at rhetoric. But I'm not seeing them offer anything concrete that will actually solve these problems. And that really concerns me. You know, we could go through this entire election process, and if we never actually talk about the issues, if we never talk about how are we actually going to solve these problems, what are the steps that need to be taken, then we're having an exercise in talking about dreams and fantasies that are never going to come true. And that, that worries me, because I, I'm concerned that Portland is at a turning point. Other candidates have said we're at a turning point, and if we don't turn the right direction, it's going to be a very, very tough road to get back to where we need to be. David Shore is a candidate for Portland's mayor. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and so we usually ask our, our interviewees to bring in a song or, or recommend uh, a song to play, and, and as a true Portlander and a do-it-yourselfer, you have your own band. Yeah, I, I provided some tracks from my band, Babel Echo. We actually released a, our full-length CD just a last summer before last, and uh, we're really excited about it. But um, it's got some really great social commentary songs. Actually, our, we, we talk a lot about the systemic injustices in our society as part of our music, so I thought it was appropriate to, to bring some of that to the show as well. David, thank you so much. Thank you, Phil.